Looking to learn more about that galaxy far, far away? Let me and the princess take you on a star tour as we discuss the latest movies, shows, games, comics, and so much more. Go strap yourself in while we make the jump to light speed. Welcome back, Star Wars fans, to another episode of the Endor Report. I'm going to be your captain for this journey. My name is Tad, and sitting across the hollow table from me is... Is it the princess? I think I'm always the princess. You're the princess, but you've also been a committee, and you've been driving for this one, for, for this episode, and had a whole list of different topics and subjects and things that we've been discussing and that other people have been talking about um, and asking us questions. So, um, this Yeah, is all- I think that it's kind of cool that a lot of our friends come up to us and ask us ideas. I mean, I have people uh, in my office that run up and, and ask me what I think right after an episode, and it's super fun. Oh, yeah, because it's like you're the, you're the Star Wars nerd. I love being the Star Wars nerd. And being the person that people come to and asking like, hey, I saw this. What's this blue character? Or why are they talking about the this special sword thingy yeah. that they're like swinging around? I thought that was so... Uh, I, I, I expected it. As soon as we saw Cad Bane in that last episode, I had the feeling, you know, there are so many people that have jumped on this train and love the Mandalorian, but uh, and maybe have watched Rebels um maybe but a lot of them a lot of people skip the clone Warner worse like cartoon series myself included but i've missed some episodes um because there's so many there's so much to to watch and catch up so i had a feeling not too many um people who weren't in love with the clone wars cartoon would know who cad bane was and i think i was correct because i had more than one person ask me who he was yeah and i, I- Dave Filoni reveals these characters as if like we've grown up with them and known them. And I would say some of us have. Like I, I know a lot of the characters from the Clone Wars because the kids have watched that cartoon series multiple times. So I've sat down and watched uh, seasons. I've watched a lot of them when um, what the Bad Batch was coming out. We caught up a lot or refreshed our memory. A lot before that cartoon came out. Well, you had that, that final season of Clone Wars came yeah. out on Disney Plus where they went back and finished it and had Order 66. So there 66. was a lot of catch up time. But um, and I would say we we got the benefit of our kids grew up with that cartoon enough to where they know a lot of the characters that some adults have to look up. Well, And now you have Disney Plus. So yeah. you can it's watch you can watch, watch Clone them. Wars whenever you want. Any episode is available all the time. I think we had to pay for Rebels when we wanted to catch up on the first season of that one, didn't we? Yes. Because it was still airing, but we didn't have Disney as a streaming platform, and we wanted to catch up. We had a laptop hooked up to a big screen television, hooked up with an HDMI cable, watching the website Disney XD. So, so you had all the stuff around it. You couldn't yeah. even go full screen on it, and you were watching Rebels. So now that Disney Plus is out and about, Clone Wars is a fabulous cartoon that will give you so much information about some of the things that are showing up in this new generation of movies and Star Wars television shows. So today on the episode, we've got a couple things. Where, so we're going to be one thing that you really wanted to cover was the history of Mandalore and. Like, 
what is the story of Mandalore? What do we know about Mandalore from everything else that's come before? Yeah, I did want to talk about that. So that is going to be the first part of this segment. And one thing you wanted to bring to the Star Wars podcast episode day was Boba Fett. Since I'm not getting enough Boba Fett in my book of Boba Fett, I want to talk about Boba Fett from the Clone War. So I went back and watched a couple episodes where he was shown just to see how did Dave Filoni really see Boba Fett back then. Maybe that'll get some understanding on why some of the direction they're going with Boba Fett now. So I and did we are and this we are posting this on February seventh, which is Star Wars Podcast Day because of it's the anniversary of Jedi Talk, which is supposedly the first Star Wars podcast. And when did that air? When did Jedi nineteen ninety nine? So Right at the height of the Clone Wars coming to the movies. And the movies kicking back off with um, uh, the Phantom Menace and all of that. So that's the reason why we've made this podcast. And you might find us because they're they're all the podcasters. There's up to 90 podcasters now of Star Wars content that have come out. They're like, we're posting on Star Wars Podcast Day. There's so many ways to find out different backstories about the characters with or without watching all the series. And there's so many different uh, ideas of where the story is going and why it's going. It's really cool to, like, I don't know, search around and listen and hear everyone else's thoughts. Yeah, because most of them are wrong, but I'm... I am I am consistently wrong. I think we need to do like uh go through the last six you're not episodes. Ro- but you're not wrong about what you know. Like we make predictions on what we think is gonna I happen. Mean. My predictions for this season of what oh what I think's happening the next episode of the book of Boba Fett, I have been wrong ten out of ten times, or I guess six out of six times if we're going by episodes. I've predicted probably twenty things. Every single one was wrong. So I'm not on fire with, really I think don't. I go with my feeling of what I want, not what's going to happen. But I, you're not, it's not like you're upset about it. You are still no. enjoying the show. I think they did something really great with uh, bringing the Mandalorian in for you. And you were just completely blown away. And I, that might be your favorite episode of all time of it any was. Star Wars live action. It made me really uh, step back for a second and realize where Star Wars might be going and who is our, you know, I don't know, our iconic character. And it's cool that we're watching it. So one thing I did start looking up because um, there is so many legends and now there is so many pieces of history that's canon and, and some things are and are not. I was curious um, about the actual history of Mandalore because I think a lot of these shows... And even the cartoons, even Bad Batch, the last season of Clone Wars, Mandalorian season one and two, we're all setting up the cards or the chess pieces for something big to happen. And Mandalore seems to be at the front of the future of where Star Wars focus is going. So you figure in what the, the original trilogy, we focused a lot on Tatooine and Yavin and I guess the Empire, the prequels, there was a lot of focus on Coruscant. Think how much with the Republic and the Council and everything was in Coruscant. Um, yeah. The sequels, I mean, we had lots of... There wasn't too much history to focus on Octu, but we had, like, 
the history of some of those more mystical planets with like Ilum turning into Starkiller base and Octu having like the the powers in the core. And... I'd say with Ilum, they've built it even more with Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah. And which one? Wasn't there a cartoon or something where they go to? Yeah, that was in the Clone Wars when Yoda was um, having the the Padawans find their crystal. But wasn't there a recent it was in Rebels? What... It was in one of the cartoons. Well, no, no, no. That was in that was in Clone Wars. But I'm trying to think. Like there was a recent thing where they went to Ilum and they were mining, and the Empire was there. Um, I don't know if that was in the Bad Batch or if that's just all from Jedi Fallen Order, where you go there. It's all and... blurring together. Yeah. So I do. I think we are really. Our next big focus is is Mandalore, and where where did that come from, and what do we know about it so far? So one thing I found interesting when I started reading the synopsis of different legends and the synopsis of what we know about Mandalore from the Clone Wars and from the Mandalorian is that Mandalore and Mandalorian and Mandalorian armor was never mentioned in our original trilogy, and that was something you thought of this morning too. You just had the thought, hey. Did we ever mention this in the four, five, and six? Did you find anything that said it was ever in George Lucas's notes? So the armor that is was used for Boba Fett and that was designed, it was concept art. What I found it was concept art for the um, Empire Strikes Back. They were going to have super troopers, like a souped up version of the stormtroopers. And so they had all this concept art. And that was like part of the previews that they started releasing for merchandising and products. It was going to be, um, I don't know, second level scarier stormtroopers, but there was no budget and that armor was a lot more involved and a lot more detailed and they needed a lot more of it. So they stuck with what they had already used. Okay. So that was in the book of Boba that are behind the helmet. They were talking about that, but they don't, they didn't mention that they were calling it Mandalorian no, armor. It was never called Mandalorian armor. So it was not mentioned. I just thought that was interesting. A little bit of like that's where the art they had that idea, this concept of this special armor they were gonna make. And that's what leads to the creation of an entire race, an entire planet, a backstory, a dark saber, the mm-hmm. lore. Now we're into a night of a thousand tears, and we've had two live action series. I'd say 2.5 live action series just around the Mandalorian. So Mandalore is a planet in the Outer Rim, which is a whole section of the galaxy. I believe what Tatooine, what other planets are in the Outer Rim? Um, oh, that's there's a ton like Nalhutta, Moncala, Lothal. Ones, like some of the bigger ones. Anyway, so it's ba- part Batu of the is rim. like right on the edge of the outer rim in unknown space. That's why it's it's the so only special. planet known in the galaxy where you can find Beskar. And I guess the second option, if you don't want to find it there, uh, it's Moon. The Moon of Mandalore has Beskar as well. But that's it. So it makes it kind of a uh, commodity for. Who controls them? Because Beskar, as we know from everything now, and it's very apparent, is pretty much indestructible for a metal. You can block lightsabers and blaster bolts, and if you mm-hmm. shoot at it, you only shoot at the Beskar. Apparently, it's got magnetic abilities that draw the light laser bolts in, right? So, according to yeah, some of the legends. Um, why are you smiling at me? Because <laughs> that's uh, everyone only shoots at the armor. Yeah. It's like. It's going to bounce off. Go go somewhere else. 
Well, that wouldn't be that fun, Tad. <laughs> <laughs> like, this does not make for good, uh, I don't know, demonstration of how indestructible it is if you skip it. And I would say Din missed his armor and chopped his leg, so. I was, I thought that was interesting because I thought someone shot him. And then, like, it got past the armor for the first time, but then we had to, I had to rewatch it, and it turned out he just, yep. he sliced a part of his leg off. Yep, but that's, I, I saw some really funny things about that being the most realistic thing to happen in a lightsaber uh, duel that we have ever seen. What, what would usually happen would be you'd get it and you'd cut your own yep. leg off. So um, the Legends part of, of Mandalore's history is a lot more extensive than the accepted canon part. However, I actually, there is a lot because it was very much a subject of Clone Wars. And, and Satine and Obi-Wan and that cartoon spent a lot of time on it, which is probably why we're heading in that direction because Dave Filoni's baby was the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but well, in Legends, the first inhabitants um, were, a, they were a warrior culture and they became that way because of the Beskar they found there and because they would slay the Mythosaurs. And they took this wild jungle planet that had mythosaurs and, and all these, like, I don't know, terrifying creatures and tamed it into a planet where they could get Beskar. And then they had farming and jungles and all sorts of beautiful landscapes. That's cool. Because the farming on Boba Fett's, yeah, Boba Fett symbol is the little wheat symbol with a blood drop. And it's supposed to be the warrior protects the farmer. Right. So they so they turned this planet that was full of scary things that warriors did into something they could then use. Um, but that also fueled a culture that was a warrior culture. And they were, I mean, think how tough you have to be to slay a whole pile of mythosaurs on a planet. So they wanted to expand. And they wanted to do that across the galaxy and do other planets, which caused them a lot of wars and problems with the Old Republic and also the Jedi and the Sith. Now that's where I get a lot of my history on Mandalore is from Knights of the Old Republic and them talking about Revan went out to fight the Mandalorians who he, were they invading had problems the with Republic. Everyone, pretty much everyone. So um, they're not, I mean, they're not Sidious in the Empire, but if they could have pulled it off, they wanted to conquest everything and and and, and do that. Um, but the, what, so many years of wars with the Old Republic and the Jedi and the Sith kind of turned Mandalore into... Um, a wasteland. Inha- inhabitable. Yeah. Inhabitable. Yeah. And this is this is all before the Night of a Thousand Tears. Um, but that was the part that has not been put back into canon yet. That's still part of Legends. But there is nothing really in the Clone Wars or anything that we know that discredits it. So no one is saying these things are not true and did not happen. They had the same characters. Vizsla was still like the, the only one in the Jedi Order. Uh, uh, who was Mandalorian? Um, there was still everything in the legends still seems to hold true, minus the part that the Yusong, Yusong Vong, yeah, they invaded at one point in the legends stories, uh, and we haven't really dealt with them yet. So if you just X that out, a lot of everything else, though, I think we actually might see pop up, and it'll be I don't know, accepted as part of the history, um, and. 
the, what, 700 years-ish before the Battle of Yavin, the, the Republic and the Jedi, like, preemptively attacked Mandalore, and that's what t- kind of turned it into the Wasteland. They wanted to stop them from expanding and conquesting. Um, and then we kind of get into the Clone Wars time, time of Mandalore. And I think you know probably more about the Obi-Wan and Satine and Mandalore from the Clone Wars. Yes, because Satine was trying to make them a peaceful nation. New Mandalore. Yeah, but they were neutral. They didn't want to join the war. They didn't want to join the war between the Separatists and the Republic. And until, that's why Obi-Wan was there. And he was trying to. Darth Maul created his shadow collective well yeah he wanted to make mandalore feel so unsafe and he was working with vizsla Mm because vizsla wanted to take over and he wanted to bring everyone back into the like back into the the warrior culture the new mandalore peaceful culture that satine uh established and they got accepted into the republic that didn't really stick because the death watch overthrew that culture yes but then Darth Maul overthrew the Death Watch. And I even had a thought, you know who the voice for Vizsla was? That was John Favreau. Yeah. So that was his introduction into being a part of Star Wars was, hey. You mean back you, in the Clone Wars TV series. In the Clone Wars TV Vizsla. series. Hey, I want you to voice a Mandalorian. So, so it makes sense now. We're, that everything, we are very focused on Mandalore. On this, on this and, one little so spot. Much, there's so much good um, stories written about a warrior warrior culture and its downfall that it's, I mean, it's it's really interesting. And it was interesting in the Clone Wars. It's interesting now. So after the Death Watch then takes back over and it's a problem for, it's now it's now a problem for the Empire. It was a problem for the Old Republic, the Republic. Now it's a problem for the Empire. And that's when we have kind of this gap in what we know. And I think that we're going to explore. And then we have the Night of a Thousand Tears to kind of get rid of this problem. Well, you, you, so you had that final battle in the final season of Clone Wars where they go back and they capture Maul there. Mm-hmm. So the Republic, the semi-Republic, I would say, because it's like right at the verge of switching to the Empire, takes over. So they were there for like maybe a day and had taken over the planet or taken over like the big dome city. And then boom, we switch and we're now where the empire. It's worth a mention. So when Satine was establishing new Mandalore and they were um, abandoning their warrior culture and they wanted peace. That is when we had the, the remaining uh, Mandalorians that did not agree with that and still wanted the warrior culture kind of gather up and leave and live on the moon. And that is where we have our... The Concordia, isn't it? Mm-hmm. The name of the moon? Um, the Death Watch. That's yeah. where the Death Watch is. And that's that where is the armorer... also where you think our armorer and the foundlings that Din Djarin comes from were from. Like, Din is not necessarily part of the peaceful new Mandalore that was establishing a new leaf and being good. Which is a little, like, ironic because he's such a good character. He is a hero he's not really a villain but he does hold and keep some of those radical beliefs that that death watch group on the moon did well and i still think that the the armorer is going to eventually be a sith a sith and be like hey she trained with darth maul and that's why she's got the little horns on her head death watch was so tied with maul and now she just has her clan of two 
Always two there are. That the interesting, very interesting. I like that. It's a very interesting prediction. And I was I enjoyed trying to kind of sequentially piece together what we know about Mandalore that leads us to where we are in the timeline and what we are going to now see to fill in the pieces and why, I mean, it's kind of building up to, we're going to rebuild and reestablish new Mandalore number two, I guess. I don't, I, it's, I think that's where we're headed. You think we're heading back to Mandalore? Back yeah, to, this to rebuild it. I mean, Din's going to go back to it, in my opinion. I think season three, he's going to go find the waters and rebirth himself. And I think he's still going to accidentally end up with the group that's not so great. But it's still leading up to rebuilding Mandalore because we've been working on that since Satine. And we're getting the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. And Obi-Wan and Satine and Anakin were very heavily involved in that cartoon of Mandalore when they were stationed there guarding and protecting it. Now, I remember in Rebels, there was a lot of talk of civil war and the clans fighting each other is what had led to Mandalore being kind of a wasteland. Well, it had wars with the Republic, the Jedi, the Sith, and they did have their own civil wars, but the civil wars were between how they were going to do their warrior culture, their peaceful culture, or what they were doing next. But even before there was a peaceful culture, they were fighting each other. Because if you're a warrior culture and you don't have anyone else to kill, you kill the people around you so you can prove that you're a bigger, better Mandalorian. So, And it's interesting because um, Star Wars has always had overtones of a political commentary. It's a sci-fi fantasy story that directly relates to some of the political things going on like during his time period the original trilogy was very much a commentary on uh wars and and how america participated in them um and so it's kind of i'm not saying it's a commentary on what we're doing right now but it's kind of a overall like uh commentary on just the war economy in general and what it leads to and it consistently leads to things being destroyed i can see that i was i always saw it more as a commentary on like the spartan athens kind of the conflict between the war and a focus on ideals so you have two different cultures living side by side and eventually they wind up conflicting because you can't have really like almost a picture of reality that's and here we are in 2022 but on that note (laughs) you have two political systems (laughs) one that has different ideals than the other one coming against each other all right very cool and one thing that you wanted to uh go dive into after seeing all of these latest episodes was I wanted to see more Boba or yeah, Boba Fett. Yeah, I gotta keep remembering you say Boba Fett. Boba now that Fett transcribed some of your audio. I tr- yeah, we transcribed the podcast, and it's like I say Bubba Fett, which I don't feel like I say Bubba Fett, but that could be the fact that I've lived in South Carolina now for ten years. And oh, do you have an the, accent? The accent is starting to come <laughs> no. through, and I'm saying Bubba Fett, but no, Boba Fett. Um, I wanted more, so I went back and was watching. In the second season of Clone Wars, there is a two-episode part. It's called um, Death Trap and R2 Come Home. 
and Boba Fett sneaks onto a Republic cruiser as a little kid cadet, and he's working with Aura Singh to assassinate Mace Windu. And it was really cool because he's doing all of this different stuff, but he's really questioning everything. He's like, I don't want to kill anyone else. I don't want to hurt anyone else. I don't want to take the ship down because I'm only here for one person. I'm not here for to kill everyone that's on the ship. And Ara Singh keeps pushing him and pushing him until eventually he crashes the ship. He never shoots anybody or kills anybody, but he winds up like getting a lot of people hurt and killed and takes down the ship, captures a couple people, and eventually gets left behind by Ara Singh. Um, and it had Hondo Anaka in there. And Hondo Anaka is like new uh, Django and tells him, hey, what your father would have wanted would you to be honest and to be right. And those people didn't do anything to you. The one that Aura Singh's going to go kill, which is like the captain of the ship and stuff. He would have wanted you to tell the truth. So it was, re- it was a really cool moment where like he's getting advice from Hondo Anarka as his dad or what his dad would have wanted from someone who really knew his father. Yeah. And it really showed like he had extremely good shooting skills. He was beating up clones even as a little one. So it kind of showed his superpowers and like how well, like he just, he's like Django. He's just naturally well, good at being a soldier. That's why they used Django Fett's DNA as the specimen, right? Because he was the epitome of what. Apparently if you wanted a soldier, you wanted Django to be the one who was doing it. Um, but it also showed a lot of conflict with him on doing anything bad, which I thought was interesting. And that, that, that makes me feel this show is trying to show us that he wasn't Who he really always a... has been. Yeah, we he... always thought of him as bad because he took Han Solo. But let's stop for a second and think about, I mean, I don't know, think about Maleficent. Think about the, the Wicked show, like, like our villains and our heroes. I love when they tell the other side of the story. Um, and is Han Solo really a hero? He does some heroic things, but consistently Han Solo was a smuggler and he was involved in, in spice running and crime and stealing. Like he was like kind of like that Aladdin like uh character of, yeah, okay, he becomes a hero, but he really isn't. So are you telling me that we're gonna get a story where from the other point of view where it's from the Empire's point of view and the rebels are like the are there terrorists? who are killing people and blowing stuff up and I guess you, if paint, you, were going... you paint Han and Leia in the horrible light. If you were going Boba to do Fett's that, the hero who was if trying you were to going like, to do that, you would probably have to terrorists. use Boba Fett because I don't think you can say that Palpatine or Vader. was a good guy. I mean, Vader, I think we are going to dive into a little bit more of Vader and Anakin here in this Obi-Wan series. And you can always kind of make an argument for Vader. And then you can always kind of make an argument, even at the end, Vader actually like tried to do what was right. But I think, yeah, maybe Boba Fett is the, the character that can tell us the other side of the story. Not that the rebellion was bad because they weren't. Um, but I don't know that Han maybe Solo. They, is, maybe they are. I don't know that Han Solo is your, is the hero we always want him to be. 
I love the idea of a wicked kind of style where the Empire is the good guys and we really paint Han, Luke, and Leia as the bad people. You can't put Luke and Leia as evil. Why not? They're terrorists blowing up Death Stars, killing thousands of people. We wouldn't call it Death Star. We would call it, it by its true name, Battle Station DS-1 and 2. What does DS stand for, boo? That's classified. <laughs> Delta Sempa or whatever. Uh-huh. Like you, oh, I just like that brings a smile to my face to think of a story like that where it really shows it all from a certain point of view and you could totally show it. I mean, and people are already saying that the Jedi, like they were running around kidnapping children and were totally out of control. We're fighting this war against a bunch of robots that was led by a former Jedi. So you could really paint Palpatine as a nice guy who had stopped the destruction. I think that's a little too far because Palpatine has some some flaws. Uh, I think we need a new big bad and maybe they're working towards that. that... You think of Mon Mothma? Mon Mothma was the big bad? No. Yeah. No. Bail Organa. Oh my God. Alderaan was a secret layer of evil geniuses who are trying to destroy the galaxy. Okay. From a certain point of view, I like where you're going, but sometimes I think you miss steps along the way. (laughs) Come on. Like you take it too far and then it no longer makes sense. Like that, like the Darth Bane and the Darth uh, Plagueis books, like they they start dipping their toes into that of telling it from another side, but it's the same problem where then you have some things that are you can't really paint in a good light, even if you try. Like you have to do a little better job of making it gray. The Emperor Invader would have to be gray. Like- that you you well, we have to be post real empire and kind of start fresh with telling the other side from like the certain point of view. I think they've done that in some of the comics with the empire being someone who shows up and helps a planet and really kind of frees them up to like have access to all different resources across the galaxy, maybe connects them with a couple other different societies. But sometimes they show up and enslave an uh, entire planet of creatures like the Wookiees. Maybe the Wookiees were getting paid for that labor. No, no, they weren't. How do you know? You've only heard that sto- that side could, of the story from the rebels. I think you could make a case for like Boba Fett was not the bad guy for capturing Han Solo, even though we love Han Solo. Han Solo typically, and even in the Han Solo movie, he was a he's drug not, smuggler. Yeah, he's not doing great things, he was and wh- he's even bad to the bad people. Like he he is always trying to run a fast one by all the different people, just just to. I mean, I don't know. Make his way through everything. I mean, Jabba had paid to have that medicine delivered to somebody else, and Han just dropped it, medicine. and then would, wouldn't pay. What wouldn't pay Jabba? <laughs> so Jabba was stuck with the big bill, having to pay for it, and not having the delivery, and not having any payments on it. No wonder he put a bounty on his head. And we are usually siding with Mando when he has a bounty because he has a bounty on. People doing 
I don't know, not good things. Like you can justify in the bounty hunter's head who they're capturing and why. So Boba Fett was presented as a bad guy in Empire because he was capturing our hero. But was he really that bad? I don't know that Boba Fett has ever been a bad guy. He's a bounty hunter. He's around what you consider to be bad people. But is he really bad? And maybe that's what we're showing, like you said, and the Clone Wars episodes was showing, is that Boba Fett... There's a lot of moral... Uh, there's a lot of morals inside that little kid when he's... Uh, they're like, shoot him, shoot him. This is what's going to happen to you, Mace. All he really wanted to do was get revenge for someone who chopped his dad's head off. Well, you can see why he would be so upset with the Jedi. Well, yeah. And what did Django do to deserve to be like, have his head chopped off? He was standing next to Count Dooku. He was protecting the person who had hired him to protect him. Like Django got a bad deal in that uh, attack of the clones. I'm telling you, I, I, I want to see the, I don't even care if it's in a musical form. Well, like you said. <laughs> from a different point of view. Like you said, you want more Boba Fett. I do. And you still I am more. so hoping that we get more Boba Fett in this next episode. So Final gonna, episode. I will, you know, we should put it at the beginning of this episode. Or I guess we should have thought of it. How many, take a drink. Every time you hear Tad say, I want more Boba Fett. <laughs> I've been looking forward to this ever since they like they released the trailer at the end of Mandalorian season two that we were going to get a book of Boba Fett. We had a couple chapters. Yes, we've had. And I'm going to be interested. I can't wait for Wednesday um, to see. And I guess if you're listening to this Monday, we have two days left to see if Boba Fett and Mando stay buddies and friends and can align and move forward with the story the way he's acting now i don't see boba fett creating um like a fight or or going bad like there's nothing that he's gonna do other than riding the rancor through moss eisley or uh, moss espa and eating people he's just too nice he's a nice guy like he's like hey come on in have some food. And oh, you please, do, I you wish don't want to join my video, army. A video of him blowing everybody up as you're saying he's a nice guy. I think you've made fun of me for that for four weeks now, saying he's so nice. And now that you miss him, you, you're miss you're him. saying a different tune. Even though he killed all those Nicktoos who were on a uh, just on a toy drive on a ride to collect toys for tots. Oh. <laughs> it's for Life Day. I wonder if he's ever going to find out that the Jawas are the ones that took his armor. I'm sure he knows, right? That would be a great Because Mando final is now friends scene. with the Jawas, even though Mando had some problems with them, too. He disintegrated some of them. He threw them off his train. Yeah, Mando, Mando has, he's got a nice Jawa body count. Yeah, that but now the my... Jawas like, are waving at him because he paid them mm. extra. <laughs> and they've got the giant crate dragon skull on there. But how would they Jawas know? Jawas are a little bit like Quaker parrots. They steal a whole bunch of stuff and they're pretty mean. And they don't care who they're stealing from. They, they, they stole it from my pikes. Treats, they like you. 
especially if you date one. Furry. I'm You're very furry. No, thank you. I, I'm I'm actually working on myself right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well. So that is our Star Wars Podcast Day podcast on really the history of Mandalore and a little bit of a history on uh, I want more Boba Fett. So I went back to Clone Wars to get some Boba Fett. And from our uh, tree shack on Endor, may the force be with you. And also with you.